Let's face it, there are certain things in life we take for granted. Elevators are one of those things. So how the hell do you market them? Also, another thing we take for granted are referees. Heck, all we do is heckle them and scream at them. How do you turn these two things into marketing channels? We'll find out all that and more today on the Marketing Mad Men podcast. They say marketing is a madman's game. So now we turn it over to the Marketing Madman with Nick Constantino and Trip Job. Happy Saturday. Welcome to the Marketing Mad Men. Trip Job and Nick Constantino here live from the battery. What a gorgeous day. And, uh, you know, today, Nick, uh, we're going to keep uh, our focus on local uh, marketing leaders. And speaking of local, we've got someone right here in the battery from yeah. uh, TK Elevator. I think a lot of people have probably seen the tower and wondered what that was. So, yeah, we'll get uh, an answer too because I've heard different things. So we're going to ask like, I think like Tower of Terror like back in the day yeah. at Disney, like you go in it's like, oh, you well, fall. Well, you got that right next to uh, the, hey. the parachutes, you know, the skydive uh, hey. thing. Hey, so, you know, all, we got a little bit of everything going. But when uh, your imagination wanders, it's a bad thing. So we'll get a real answer to that. Yeah. Um, you know, I think being at the battery, uh, just my observations is the amount of commerce and business that is happening here is growing. I know when they originally built this place, the, the emphasis was on retail uh, and they didn't realize how much demand would be for office space. So luckily, we wanted, we were the first actual office that was put in here, and retail has turned over a couple of times, but the demand for the office space is insane. Yeah. Um, between TKE coming over and Papa John's, and there's more coming and there's more going. So there's a lot of business right here. And, and look, and you're also right next to, I've already been uh, to uh, events this year over at the Cobb Galleria right across the street. Where right there. And the, I think the there's more right activity over. at the uh, uh, David Smiling, but I think there's more activity at the Galleria than I've seen in years so. and that bridge connecting is a huge part of it and i think they're redoing they're gonna redo a lot of that yeah. also so it's just amazing to see the county grow um but it's also great to have uh, mr david gerson with us and before we formally introduce him i will say what we've learned on the show is there's really two or three kinds of marketers okay so you get the real brand heavy people that are behind the product and yeah. that and and again that's that's selling the sexiness of the ball of clay evolving into the thing and then there's the academic and the <laughs> let's call it the highfalutin let's call it the theorist that is the the marketing theory uh and then there's the guy that's gotten his or gal that's gotten their hands dirty and that's in the fire yeah. and it turns that sales and in the fire career into marketing um i think trip and i pro probably agree those are the ones that we get along with the most with yeah. both the sales backgrounds um yeah, and, that's kind of how i started so and that's how yeah. i started and, and, and uh, you know and very much a holistic you know it's not uh, not a specialist i think so. it's easier we always say it's easier to go to become a salesperson to a marketer than a marketer into a salesperson. Yeah. Um, so with all that being said, uh, again, Mr. David Gerson, the head of North American Marketing for TKE Elevator. Uh, David, welcome. Oh, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be having this conversation today. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, so it's, you know, I think a lot of people don't, uh, don't really understand and know who TK Elevator is. And then uh, we talked about the tower. They may go, oh, yep, Tower of Terror. But uh, give us a little background. Absolutely. So first, just on, on TK Elevator, since you guys asked, I mean, it's it's amazing how many products there are in the world where people just have no idea that Almost that is a business. Almost take it for business. granted, right? Like, that is a business. You want to be safe on your yeah. elevator, they take it for granted. Yeah. And I, I've had my entire career in B2B. So I've been selling the, you know, the, the flooring we're sitting on here to the furniture we're sitting at. And now, you know, I participate in this you know, 40, 50 million, uh, I'm sorry, billion global industry of vertical transportation. I had no idea. Uh, but TK Elevator is one of the largest elevator companies in the world. They're like four majors. But just in North America, we service about 240,000 elevators and escalators. There's only about 900,000 in the U.S. So it's a massive, massive industry. And it is 
it's highly critical. I mean, if you live in a high-rise building or a mid-rise even, uh, and if that elevator goes out, people are not happy. Or, God forbid, someone is entrapped in an elevator. Let me tell you, no one's happy. Hey, I I spent six days in Austin about three weeks ago and um, at a conference in a little – you know, we were on a 15-floor hotel, and for four of the six days, one of the two elevators wasn't working. Yeah, it's it's outrageous. So the yep. the men and women who keep those elevators running, the the people who are designing and installing those elevators, you know, working safely in a very in a inherently dangerous job, whatnot, at heights with yeah. falls and high voltage, whatnot, are some of the most outrageously amazing people you can meet. I, I've yeah. I've had a vision of creating a culture book of just like the the technicians who actually build and work on those elevators. Just so wonderful, so talented, so creative. Um, so intelligent, but it's really been a, a fascinating ride. I've been there about two and a half years. I've been through a, a whole new brand implementation, yep. so a brand change for the company as it's changed uh, ownership, and we yep. are just launched a brand new product that's kind of taken over. So we're we're really excited. It's been a, a wild ride. It's wow. fascinating. It's one of those things when I say take for granted. So, like, think about it. You're 100 years removed from the creation of the elevator, <laughs> right? So this is something similar with airplanes. Yep. So once the allure wears off of, oh, my goodness, you can do this, it's become something people take for granted. So, right, like, you're so angry about every every bit of air travel or every time you're in an elevator, I can't believe this thing is taking this long. Yeah. It's like, do you realize 100 years ago you'd have to walk upstairs yeah. or you'd have to get in a boat and go across the seas? Like, when you stop and think about it, how fascinating. Like, mm-hmm. I'm a New Yorker. Going up 200 stories on an elevator, <laughs> one those speedy elevators that your ears yeah. pop on the yes. way up and near the top, it's almost something we take for granted. Like it well, has to work. It's yes. like, well, it, nothing just has to well, work. Or it has There's to someone... work in the old New York, um, the warehouse elevators, the ones that literally oh. go up and you had to, the safety doors and everything. Yeah. Well, and it's now like clink, clink, clink. I mean, I remember those. truckers in New York. Absolutely. You have an elevator yeah. bring the cars up to put yeah. the yeah. Out, you yeah. know. So, I mean, it's just, it's one of those parts of society that's taken for granted. Um, and I think this will lead to an interesting conversation and in how you market a product Absolutely. that is almost looked at as something that has to essentially function yeah. without knowing of all the work, effort, lobbying, politics that goes into it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I remember this elevator. Oh. We were in the battery. It, 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 you know, how often they, you have the, the fire the firemen come in and look at the elevator and it's got to be cleared and I mean it is just much more than people know yeah it, people take for granted it is the safest form of transportation on earth it is actually safer taking an elevator than walking on the sidewalk uh, and that is pretty amazing and yeah. by the way you talk about you know 200 stories or something like that in New York City so we are the people who made and serviced the elevators in one world trade in New York City um, but it's it really is fascinating. There's so much engineering and science that goes into making those elevators safe and then keeping them working on a daily basis. It's really fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, I think I'll have a sense we're going to get into a space I've spent a lot of time in, but the A and D community, architectural mm-hmm. and design community, yeah. and, and how you market. You know, B two B, which yes. you said you're in, yeah. and uh, you know, I think maybe in the middle section we'll kind of dive deep into that. But why don't you tell us a little bit about? So you've been uh, here a couple years, but yep. uh, your background. You, you mentioned your B two B, but but uh, where, how did you get to this point, David? So I started my career in sales. I actually, uh, in college, I thought I was going to be in business. I took business classes the first year or two. I was bored to tears. And then finally opened up an anthropology textbook and fell in love. And it, at my university, uh, anthropology was more cultural anthropology, like the understanding of how cultures work and the structure of societies and why people make decisions. Well, good luck getting a job in New York City. It's where I grew up yeah. as well in business with an anthropology degree. Uh, so I drove around the country, ended up here in Atlanta, and I was in a cold call sales job uh, working for an executive search firm. And even then, it was kind of interesting. A lot of that job was marketing people to other companies, even though you're in sales. But I experienced, as you said, being in the fire, working on that 
in a really small draw and having to sell to be able to afford my rent and eat. And so 25 plus years later as a marketer, I always put myself in the shoes of the salesperson, picturing myself using those assets and trying to how will this work you know, in that session, whether it's a meeting with one person, whether it's a presentation to 100 people, whether someone's seeing something on social media, I always put myself in that role. Well, so funny, so that sales yeah. role actually led to my first kind of marketing job. And I wanna go back to, to what you said about the challenge of marketing elevators or the challenging of marketing other B2B products. So I had cold called yeah. this company called Interface, a long time Atlanta company. Right. I worked there for 15 years. And so me and the president of my company, this cold, this executive search firm went down there and we're having this wonderful conversation because I had done all this research on them and they were leaders in sustainability yeah. and design. And we're just having like this love fest. It's me and these two clients. And the president of my company out of nowhere is like, man, it's gotta be really hard selling a boring product like carpet. Oh. I'm just like, what? Oh, and I kid you not, yeah. as we're walking out of the meeting, uh, they said, they told the president, hey, you keep on going. Right. And they like, can you come back in here for a second? And they're like, yeah, you need to come work for us. Yeah. But it was yeah. one of these things where it's, if you don't love your product, that, how will your customer love your product? Sure. And whether it's- but That's sales too. Or oh, absolutely. If, you're not, if you don't love what you're selling, believe it when you're selling, you're never gonna be able to sell it. Absolutely. And then, and then what is it in, that your customers value in your product? You know, so whether I worked in flooring, you know, which uh-huh. is where I got started in customer experience and marketing and customer service type jobs, or it was furniture and now elevators, it's always been really trying to understand what's important to my customer. You know, mm-hmm. what do they care about? What do they value? And then what is it that we love about our product and right. trying to find a happy medium, you know, and how you yeah. communicate. And that messaging, I think, too. Yeah. Because, again, you're in a space where storytelling is involved. It's long. You can't do it in a, in a post. Like, you know, an, it's got to be something you got you to be able to tell a story. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I, I think it's fascinating. And I love the, the sales to marketing roles because when you're speaking to your sales team, ultimately you're giving them the materials they need to go out and sell. Absolutely. And if you can do that and have a sale, fully functioning sales team with the proper materials, that's when magic happens. If you're missing the connection between marketing and sales, because ultimately someone's got to take that product out or use that product to their advantage for the company. And that's the sales team all the time. And if you're not using that and that connection there, you can have the best marketing in the world, but it is not ultimately achieving the goal, which is to sell more stuff. Yeah. If you're not doing smarketing (laughs) with sales and marketing together, you're going to fall short. And you talked about, again, like the academic side of it, or maybe there's the very technical marketer who wants to talk about clicks and wants to talk about, you know, leads or something of the nature. If you're not going all the way through the sales funnel and helping to grow the business, you know, and ring that cash register, you're really not being successful. Yeah, yeah. Nick. Nick recently had a rant about uh, yeah, if the register is oh, not ringing, and, and ultimately the number one. I, I, again, I had this drummed in, and I started in sales too. But the number one uh, KPI is revenue. Absolutely, yeah. and it's not the only one. And look, there's some things you have to add to that. Mm-hmm. But if you don't ground yourself, if you're a marketer, you don't ground yourself into the revenue. You know, it's. it's it's the most broken thing right now is that people are saying ROI and KPI, right? Well, yeah. how about 
you, I'm telling you what my return on investment looks like. You don't tell me. Yeah. You're not telling me the KPI. I am telling you the performance indicators. That's what's kind of broken. Right. Is right. All right. Oh, I can generate an ROI, but you don't even know what the ROI is oh, for yes. me. Getting cl- getting impressions is not a return on investment. Return mm-hmm. on investment is so I, every time yeah. I get an email from somebody claiming 200% ROI, yeah. I'm like, cool. Well, we built 15 million dollars. So I'm assuming you have to get you're gonna get me the 300 million through three billion dollars. Uh, I'd love to take the call. Never yeah. hear back from anybody ever when you put it that way. Yeah. No. It's uh, it's definitely a broken. And I think and part of it is they're trying to make their own pitch, which marketers making their own pitch is a whole nother subject. Mm-hmm. So maybe we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit when we come back from the break. Sure. Uh, but uh, it's going to be a fascinating discussion. Um, David, thanks for uh, joining us. And you are listening to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3. We'll be right back. A lifetime of hard work. Children laughing in the kitchen. Family photos on a restaurant wall. A legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation, like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Now back to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3 FM. Welcome back to the Marketing Mad Men. Trip Job and Nick Constantino here with our guests from uh, TK Elevator, David Gerson. And, uh, you know, we were talking uh, about a lot of things marketing, but, um, you know, I know one of the things that uh, you do a lot of at TK, and I think it's got to be in- tremendously important, is the area of thought leadership and content. I mean, if you're marketing elevators, it's not probably about, uh, you know, having. Um, ads, billboards, and things of the nature. I mean, people want to understand what is at the crux of what makes TK Elevator different. Absolutely. I mean, we are a company who is, you know, passionate about the future of our industry. And we want our customers, when they're searching for that kind of industry or that information as to what the future holds, to find our information to be driven to our content and eventually to our webpage and click to learn more and get a lead to one of our salespeople. So creating reports based on our insights. So we have, you know, sensors on over 100,000 elevators around the world that give us all sorts of interesting traffic data. So taking that data and packaging it in a way that it's easy to consume with infographics and reports, uh, talking about where we see the future of elevators going and already knowing kind of what we're developing and kind of leading customers to that path as well, leading them to those thoughts and ideas. So they're eventually going to be looking for our products. So whether it's blogs, whether it's white papers, whether it's reports, um, you know, you name it, all of those different type of assets kind of, you know, position your brand in the marketplace. And then as people start thinking about looking for those types of things, it leads to your product. So it's a big part of our content strategy. Yeah. And you, you yourself, 
focus North America, but I have to imagine a lot of these bigger conversations are happening, developing world, Middle East now, China, where, I mean, the Burj Khalifa is what, 200 something stories that it's mm -hmm. going straight up. I mean, some of these towers in Malaysia and Singapore that mm -hmm. are going up are building from the ground up. It can't be the same way we made an elevator in the Empire State Building. <laughs> I have to imagine that that's, that's where the future is and, and it follows the trends of urbanization yeah. because when you think about it, like, Again, the, how engineering has developed, the world, when, when you opened the Empire State Building in the 30s, that was the pinnacle of human achievement. Now it's been passed by fourfold by a country that 40 years ago didn't even have the wealth to even build one tower is now building these things. So yeah. it, it is, it, you could almost follow, you say anthropology, you can almost follow the trends of urbanization and anthropology directly with the correlation of building these elevators. So I have to imagine when you're talking content, it's not about making it sexy to a person who's just browsing, but if you're interested in this kind of stuff, attaching your company to the history books and to the future of how it's being written. Is Absolutely. that about kind of how what you're trying to accomplish? Oh, yeah, certainly. I mean, a great example. We're the exclusive elevator or vertical transportation provider to Hudson Yards, so one of the most famous yeah. and widely cool known yeah. developments yeah, right. in the world. Um, but I'm not writing content about the specifications of like the cab size or travel speeds or something in nature, although that is really cool. But I'm talking about how Sir Norman Forster, one of the most famous architects in the world, you know, thought about his space and the building he was trying to create and how our products contributed to making these highly sustainable, you know, buildings with these wide open floor plates that create these wonderful places that people want to come to work that are highly, you know, it's. Those are the types of things now, that we're writing about. Tell me why about. you do that. I have a sense, but uh, <laughs> tell me why that's, that's the focus of the content. Because that's what my customer cares about. So and if that I'm customer to, is? Well, it could be it, developers. It could be architects, architects. and designers. It, you know, it's real estate investors. It could be, you know, building managers, you name yeah, it. But that's a but, far wide yeah. range of people. Absolutely. You're going from the guy that's engineering a 200-story tower to the guy who's putting in but, a condo that's right. with a certain amount of right. things. Both the functionality of the elevator, both equally important, right? Because yeah. what if you don't yeah. have that elevator that can move a couch up and you didn't think to do your freight elevator? Like, <laughs> yeah. there's so many, there's so much that goes into it, but yeah. that's got to be right. far ranging of who you're trying to apply the content to. Yeah, right. and so, right, I mean, so... Hudson Yards is class, AAA, some of the most expensive real estate in the world. Yeah. But it's something that aspirationally, you know, people can dream about and think about. And when they think about, you know, cool, you know, future forward, you know, type products, digitally native type products, I want them to think about TK Elevator and what we do. But, so and, that's why and we I was leading the that. witness a little bit, but yeah. I, love, I love what you're doing because you are focused more on the why. Yeah. And because at those high scale projects. It's the developer and the architect and their typical mindset mm -hmm. is I'm going yeah, I'm going to check the box on the technical aspects, but it's the why. The project itself is about this feeling this and they want to know that you're connected with the why of the space. Yeah, can we just give a shout out to Simon Sinek for a second? And yeah. If you have not read, yeah, for sure. you, know, you know Simon Sinek's, uh, you know why, how, what, and really studied the Golden yeah. Circle, uh, you're you're really going to be missing the yeah. mark. I, uh, everything that that I do as a marketer and as we lead our team starts with the why. Yeah. You know, why are we doing this? What's going on in the world? Why is this important? Where are we going? You know, how have we internalized that? What did we think about? How did it manifest into what we did? And then finally, you know, what is the, the product that we actually do? I think I think that that is completely accurate and true. And I think that you guys have a brand with a legacy that allows you to make those decisions. Mm -hmm. One of the problems is a lot of these companies that want to talk about the golden circle and the why don't have the corporate vision and don't have the vision of what they're oh. trying to accomplish to achieve those things. You're talking about an industry you've been involved in for how long? And, it, it, you know what I mean? And you're talking about a 
you know, a land known for engineers. I mean, there's so much going in your favor that you're mm -hmm. able to manifest those things. And I think having the clear vision and the path forward is important to being able to do that. Yeah, I, but I, I will say, so I've been at, at TKL for about two and a half years now. I've been about 25 years yeah. within the architecture interior space. Um, but it's changed in the two and a half years that, that I've been here because we're having a conversation now about how important it is to tell that why story. I'm a big believer in mm -hmm. capture the heart, the mind will follow. Yeah. And that, you know, a spreadsheet never sold anything. So when you look at our content now, you know, it's visually appealing, it's inspiring, it's cool, it's interesting. People want to consume that content. It's not just about the what it is. Now that what is there, yeah, it might right. be in the but back of something or in a cut yeah. sheet, but telling that point, story is huge. Essentially three other global competitors, right? So, right. A, so all of you probably are technically astute right so then it's how do we understand how do we define our brand that's right and that's really where you're going yeah and and for a great example i mean we have a new product we're launching right now called eox the elevated operating experience and it's an opportunity to relaunch our brand again you know your product should be living out your brand values you know and everything that you believe comes out through your products this is a fantastic opportunity yeah. for us to tell that story again uh, again the why what we believe and what we're passionate about and how that comes through in the product the most sustainable product that we've ever made and all these wonderful digital native features whatnot yes i could talk about the specs and i could talk about the the distance it travels and the door operating mechanism or something like that but that is not going to make someone fall in love with the product I want them to fall in love with the product the way we have fallen in love with the product. Again, facts tell, stories sell. Yep. So we tell compelling stories that matter. Yeah, it's great. Now let's talk about, so again, let's talk, most listeners, they're not in some companies of this size, right? They're running their, their home improvement yep. companies. Or, so let's make it a little granular. So you yep. have great content. You're creating content to put out to the masses. Yep. How are you reaching the masses with that content? How are you targeting them? Who are the people you're going after? What are the mediums you're using to deliver said content? Because that's where that data analysis comes in. If you're, you can make the best content in the world, if the wrong people are seeing it, it's not helping you. So let's talk about how you're using the tools at your disposal to get that content in people's hands. That's such a great conversation. And, and there's, there's many different tools because there's many different types of interactions. Uh, can we just first talk about video? <laughs> can we go video? Yeah. And I, I, I wanna you know, talk briefly about TikTok not because of what it's done from a consumer standpoint or how it's used by consumers or brands, but how it's just changed the landscape of how we consume content. And, and YouTube. Let's yeah. not talk about YouTube clips. as well. Oh, talking, talking YouTube, bro, YouTube broke the ground for TikTok. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it was certainly the vanguard. Yeah. But the way we consume content and how Instagram is moving to Reels as well yeah. and Meta's trying to get into that space and you see it on Facebook as well. Short powerful videos that capture attention and move us in a very short period of time. Yep. It, that, that, you know, again, on TikTok, you're flick, flick, yep. flick, that very simple little yep. movement that you go through to scroll whatnot. Can you create content that engages people a very short time? So I will tell you in this launch, there is a lot of video content. I have videos that are like my, my hype video, you know, that really yeah. powerful, exciting, that high level why story. And then I've got like a five to seven second like GIF that I can use on LinkedIn or I could use on Facebook or we can just use for different graphics and presentation just to add some visual movement. But you see movement and video everywhere. It has become so pervasive, but it's the way my consumer consumes content 
and, yeah. and where they get content in their personal life. So therefore, in my professional world, I have to create that as well. Okay, so I'm going to, and Nick's heard my rant before on TikTok, and it's not the medium, okay? And it's not the way it can be executed. It's typically how it gets executed. Mm. And that is people see someone do something that goes viral, and they say, oh, I have an idea. And they try to do it, but it doesn't relate to their customers. And they just try to be funny or silly or whatever. Mm. And it has nothing to do with their brand. And that's because it's so easy to do or mm. to gain entry. Mm. That's my you know, view on TikTok. How do you, how do you counter that? How does uh, TK Elevator look at it? Well, so I will tell you, TK Elevator does not have an official TikTok channel. Okay. <laughs> that's the first thing, because that is not where our main demographic hangs out. Good for you. Um, yeah, but so knowing, it's not something we, yeah. we don't do Snap. We don't do TikTok. It's not the the main place that we're going. Now, it's not to say that might not be in the future. Uh, I, I think TikTok has released some numbers, and some yeah. people said that 50% of users are below 30, 50% of users are above 30. I don't know how to you know third-party vet that, yeah. but there are older people on it. And you the, know, only on like, well. the only one that can vet that is the Chinese video, government. Whether yes. you have a YouTube channel or not, so, so I'm Whatever. just going to say, you know, the TikTokification, if that's even a yeah. word, short form video that's compelling is exceptionally useful. And even if I'm a salesperson and I'm delivering a PowerPoint presentation, I've got, you know, two to three slides in that deck and there may be a moving GIF that might be on a slide and then it's going to go into a short 20 second video. Because it's totally another agree. voice in the room. It's yeah. engaging. You know, there's music. Yeah. There's moving video. It's compelling. And it, it changes how information is delivered. No one wants to see someone stand up in front of a room with a static PowerPoint slide going through bullet points. No one. Ever. Ever. I agree. So when you can bring in, like, a really highly produced video with CGI graphics that tells the story in this really compact form, I mean, it's so, so, so but powerful. I think what's important to acknowledge here, though... That is not easy. So one of the right. things that yes. confuses people. So when I, I started putting out those marketing madman minutes, and my only goal was I'm doing it in one shot. Yeah, I'm sitting down. Do you know how hard it is to time yourself to talk about something for 60 seconds uh, without writing it and getting it in one shot? So I'm doing it with yeah. the intention of not being good I at did, it. I did what 120 videos over COVID. But over I'm saying two years. I'm saying yeah, 59 I seconds. I know. I'm saying not 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 six minutes. I'm saying 59 seconds to get the mental cadence in your head to get it mm -hmm. there. I, I liken it to what we used to talk about copy for radio commercial. Real easy to write a. 60 second commercial you know not as easy to write a 30 second commercial very hard to write a 15 second commercial oh. but if you can't get your message down to the nuts and bolts in 15 seconds your product is already too confusing i'm not saying that it should be i'm saying you should do 30s but i'm saying if you can't get it down to why why do you need the product how to find it why this company then you are missing the beat on brand messaging don't always use short form but that is actually harder to do to make it short form than it is a long form people assume because it's shorter oh. it's easier it's oh. so much harder to take a message down to such a short form and get people's attention yep, than it is to do a three minute video. I think three to six minutes is the easiest thing you can do. Yeah, well, Plenty of time I, I to establish your need, everything. Three to six, I, I would say, is way too long these days. It, it if is. I see someone do a five or six minute video, I'm like, oh my gosh. But people really? don't do, It's they're not staying away from short form video because they're, they're against it. They are because it's really hard to get your message condensed down to that frame and, yeah. and put your call to action in too, because that's what people forget all the time. David, my yeah. job on this show is just to keep Nick from talking for three minutes, <laughs> because that's the easiest thing that could be done on this show is Nick talk for three minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Usually it's more of a scream, a scream and a violent hand 
gesture rant, but yes. Yeah, less, less is more <laughs> in marketing. And then you should always kind of, I have the, the billboard mindset. Like if you're driving yeah. down the road and you only have one second and you look up, do you get it? Right. So whether it's a visual that I'm putting into a brochure, which these days is a digital brochure that's interactive and moving and has some cool, fun elements in it, um, or it's a social media you know, post or something in nature, can you glance at it and in less of a second get it? Like you understand the general idea. And it's when we're writing copy, I'll often have someone send me some copy for you know, a, a blog post or for something into a brochure or piece of collateral. I'll be like, okay, that's great. Cut it by 50%. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, or on a web page, you're yeah. always like, that's wonderful. Can you get it to two sentences? Yeah, I see right. the human nature of trying to do too much. I understand why people want to do it because you want to see value. And the value proposition is I got to get as much words up there as possible. However, when you're going 80 miles an hour down the highway or 92, if you're me, you're not going to be able to read said thing anyway. So you're you're wasting space. So. No, no one reads, man. Yeah. I mean, they scroll. Well, we, they all, scroll. we all came through English class, whether it was high school or college, where we had to write that five page paper. Yeah. Right. You know, and so you had to fill, you use filler words to write that five-page uh, paper. Now we're going the other way. You set up the segue so perfectly. I don't know if you meant to do that on yeah. purpose. So let's talk AI now, because he did that purpose thing. Because yeah. who's yeah. going to write five-page papers anymore? Because yeah. now it's let me give you the parameters. You write yeah. my paper for me. Yeah. So let's talk AI. Let's talk how AI comes to this. Let's talk on the B two B side in your yeah. corporate world, because I have mm -hmm. to imagine some of that messaging is being helped now. Um, and let's talk about how you think it'll affect marketing uh, in your space. And then again, we'll probably funnel it down to every day. Because one of the things yeah. we talked about last time was. Just think about online reviews. Think about what if ChatGPT yeah. can just write your reviews like your competitor, you popped it online. It deludes reviews now. So I think so much is going to come out of it. So what, what are you seeing out there? What, what are your thoughts for the future there? Yeah, well, let, let's also just recognize that Google you know, or Yelp or all of these companies are thinking about it as well, Amazon. Yeah. And they are doing everything they possibly can right now to figure out how they can filter out those AI-generated reviews. And every teacher or professor everywhere is trying to figure out yeah. how I'm going to be able to outthink this. So... It's there. I don't think it's going to replace, you know, the, the the human thought or like understanding my competitors. You know, yeah. understanding what would be uh, a safe thing to write might be a dangerous thing to write, might be uh, something that's not acceptable in my industry. There's still some kind of carnal knowledge that you're going to need to have to add to any AI generation. Where do I place this? You know, can I really say that? Can yeah. I not? That's going to have happen. But if anyone wants to like hide under a blanket and think that AI is not coming and is not going to be affecting their job, they are kidding themselves. Yeah. I mean, I was in a, a, a an American Marketing Association event, I think it was late last week, if I'm not mistaken, about AI. And they asked the room of marketers mm -hmm. who today has used AI in your job. 70% of the room yeah, put sure. their hands up. Well, it's, it's, it's attainable. You can go on for 20 bucks, get chat. You know, I, I write commercials with it. We did an experiment yeah. just to write commercials with it just to see how it would come out. So yes. you have to be trying. It, it's everywhere. So, And my boss is asking me about it as well, which he should. He right. should be asking, how can we use AI to make us more productive? Where uh, does productive? it make sense? Where does it make sense? Can we use this in, in digital? Can we use this here? Can we use this here? Yes. The answer is yes, we can. Uh, the question is, you know, you're still going to need some resource to interact with it. Um, there's, you know, free stuff that's available out there, which is very dangerous to use because you yeah. type your stuff in there. It's available for everyone. There's the paid stuff. What's the cost that's involved as well? And then how do you apply it? So, yes, you can get images done. Yes, you can get copy written. Yeah. There's all sorts of things. Yes, you can play social media posts with AI. Yeah. It's, again, you know, creating that unique, powerful you know, brand voice, yeah. you know, with the content that matters. So, yes, if there's a tool out there that can help, yes. Um, I think there's going to be some, I'm just going to say it out loud, and I know people are going to cringe when they hear this, the marketing people. I think there are going to be some jobs that are affected. Yeah. Sure. Not going to lie. Have you seen the Photoshop? 
what they do with Photoshop with it yeah. now. You can take, you can circle just with a light circle a, a deer and all of a sudden place it in the middle of a Chinese street. Work that took hundreds of hours for a graphic designer is now going to be artificial intelligence fill. I just saw the demo on LinkedIn today and yeah. I was like, oh my, th this is something I can get behind because right. that is functionally you are taking and filling and doing all the tedious work of pulling things out. So yeah, people's lives are going to be affected. The one thing I think AI will be missing and it's similar to people who are data heavy in marketing is very hard for a machine to understand emotional connection. Yes. And some of the greatest marketing campaigns technically were the wrong things, but they created an emotional connection. We talked about our Super Bowl ads. We talked about the old NBA player and the Volkswagen yeah. Beetle. And like, that is gonna be very hard for a machine to ever, ever understand how you create that emotional connection. And I think the most important part of marketing and branding mm -hmm. is you can be the most technical, data savvy person in the world. If you do not create an emotional connection between your brand and said consumer, you will never have long-term yep. success. Yeah, I, I will also say sometimes the best marketing is the stuff that makes you think or makes you pause or it's unexpected. Right. I mean, if my personal experience with, with ChatGPT is that a lot of the writing is pretty vanilla. Yeah. You know, and I know you can you could say, hey, do it in right. the voice of whatever. I've seen it, but it's it's it doesn't feel like compelling. But you're also you know? a marketer your whole right. life. So your right. eye for this stuff is very different than John driving down the street True. and not understanding it, right? Yeah. Like you know when you're being marketed to. Yeah. No one's gonna sneak a marketing message to you, but to the general public, and that's something you learn in mass media, most people don't have a clue what you're talking about. When you think the masses I could see how people would be very easily convinced that this is something that's unbelievable and it's going to change all these things. But when you're technical in your industry and creating that passion is a thing, I don't think it's going to be the same effect. I don't think it's going to, it'd be very hard, I think, to trick me with a chat GBT message. Yeah, I think that the challenge will be you're going to have leaders in an organization who see an opportunity potentially to re reduce cost and increase productivity. Um, I hope they have people that they trust in the organization who understand the brand understand yep. you know what makes a tick understands the customer so they can channel it in the right direction because if you don't you're never really going to get to that place where you command brand leadership yep. in the market that's unique and different because everyone's going to be using the tool you, vanilla's a great everyone's word. using it okay vanilla is a great word you're all the same yep. exactly and you have to have that holistic thinking uh, back to your point about some of the smartest data people and i've you know hired some of them and if they don't have some knowledge of the domino impacts yeah they look at the the data right in front of them and they can come up with incredible information mm -hmm. but what why did it happen what what are some of the other impacts and having yeah. that holistic perspective and i think that's that will always be harder for ai and um you know, and, when, and when it's not well we're at the convergence and we're screwed so yeah. like it, it, you know it, this is this is coming i hate to be it but this has all been penned and predicted and i think a lot of the funny stuff now is all these guys saying whoa what just happened like you see bill gates he's like uh no no this is going too fast we need to tone it down a notch yeah and that's insane to think that it's we were talking three months down the road and we're like uh-oh okay i would just say the thing i'm looking forward to the most is the powerpoint development Okay, I just oh, want yeah. to say that as an, you know, a leader in a company and someone who's been in an executive boards of companies, yeah. like when it starts coming to the end of the month and end of the quarter, you start getting like carpal tunnel yeah, sitting there creating PowerPoint, PowerPoint after point, <laughs> a PowerPoint slide. I cannot wait until I can just take that data and all that information and say, make it look beautiful. And it's gorgeous. Right. That is a wonderful time saver. So yeah. please bring it. Audio command, you know, uh, get all font sizes uh, <laughs> the same. You know, I mean, just oh, yeah, like have them do it. My brand, yeah, boom. Like logo, color, you know, yeah, font in there and everything. Here's my data. Just make it happen for me. I would love to see that. Yes. That would be wonderful. No, that's uh, that's that's cool. Um, so what about? Um, 
You talked about sensors. Um, you know, I think that's an area going back to some of the, the smaller businesses here that I think you, they miss an opportunity to mine some data and, and utilize sensors. I mean, you do it from an elevator perspective. I think right. of I think of landscapers. Hey, you know, there's rain sensors nowadays. How do you how do you find out information about your customers that you can use for them? It's a great thing because mm-hmm. AI is pretty worthless without the inputs. Mm-hmm. AI is good at the outputs. Mm-hmm. Right. You need the inputs. So even CRM systems, if you have a system that's tracking in that neighborhood neighborhood you're in, what the humidity yeah. and what the sensors are, mm-hmm. when you go into a new house, you have all this data. Look, this is probably what's wrong before you mm-hmm. get in there. Think about how much time and money you can save if you can use that data in yeah. real time to adjust your practices. Right. And I, I don't think comp- local companies are using it as yeah. much as they could be, so I agree mm-hmm. with you. So give us a 30 yeah. second before we go to the break thoughts on how you guys look I, at that. We're already doing it. Yeah. I mean, we're already into the world of predictive maintenance where the sensors are in our elevators are telling us that certain maintenance is going to be coming due and you want to get ahead of it so it's not an expensive repair. Uh, when you're, you know, New Yorkers are so, you know, want to save every minute possible. You know, the elevators can already sense when you're, you know, coming out of the subway, walking. Listen to how this guy's talking. He's definitely from New York. Let's move yeah. fast. Though. I, you said 30 seconds, hey. so I'm going. <laughs> but the future of elevators are, you know, it's going to use AI to be able to potentially detect a security situation in the elevator or someone falls down in the elevator and needs a medical attention. Uh, AI is coming. You're going to see it pervasive throughout your entire life. Yeah. No, Even in our so- elevators. No, I think it's fascinating. And again, I do think there's opportunities for all size businesses to look at ways to, to do that. So uh, when we come back from the break, we're going to have a little more fun. You've got a varied background, David, and we want to dive into that a little bit. So you've been listening to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3. Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation, like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business, and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Now back to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3 FM. Welcome back to the Marketing Mad Men. Nick Constantino and Trip Job here with David Gerson of TK Elevator. Uh, and you know, one of the things that's really become pervasive, I think in corporate America more than even the local markets, is this work-life balance. Is I think a lot of people are 
returning to the office after working from home and getting comfortable and that that drastic change is you know we had the great resignation and now it's the great stagnation and everyone's coming up with new words even though it's only been like six months that have passed um but that work-life balance and finding passion points and projects that you enjoy out of the office and i think the good ones those skills transfer to work because it's always about making a living. And I think if you really enjoy a passion project, when that spills over into your um, work life, I think that's a good thing. I think having children makes you more compassionate towards others. I think all those things. But um, talk a little bit about Rest Need Love too. Talk a little bit about your passion, your side project, um, and talk about what it's done to help you in your professional world and at TKE. Well, first I will say, who doesn't have a side hustle in this day and age in technology? Well, that's mine. Yeah, so, like, hey, we're talking about I'm, I'm fortunate I've got a company that uh, encourages me to do this, you know? So yeah. it's once a week. It's great. I mean, people rent out their, their house. They rent out their car. They rent out their services. My wife has like five, six different little jobs and businesses. Um, so I have a, a side hustle, if you will. I don't know if that's the right call, or a passion project. So I have been a, a soccer referee for a little over eight years, and I've refed over a thousand games. And for a wow. while, I thought I was going to write a book about youth soccer in America. <laughs> I, I did. Youth I, soccer I, parents. I, I, well, as a parent, <laughs> as a coach, as a ref, you know, just watching the landscape and the crazy, weird uh, thing that's happened in youth soccer in this country and the largest sport of the world. And then about uh, 18, 19 months ago, um, you know, my kids had TikTok at the time, and I, I filmed my wife doing a funny thing wearing my ref uniform she was getting ready for a movie and it went viral and I was like oh this is kind of fun you know maybe I can do this again and so I started making some additional referee videos that were funny about being a ref and funny comebacks and then about I'd say three or four weeks into this little project I had a young referee reach out to me saying that they were racially abused during a match and they wanted to know you know how to deal with it and how to respond to it um, and then as I dealt with that situation, I got more and more of these people reaching out, dealing with referee abuse, um, verbal abuse, physical abuse, constantly, you know, happening. And so it started to take on a life of its own. And so that began this channel called Refs Need Love Too, where I set out to humanize the referee or officials in the eyes of the players and the fans. Yeah. And what started as kind of a funny little thing has now become a global brand that has a website and merch and podcast. Wow. I've got about 130,000 followers around the world, subscribers. Uh, my videos get viewed between 5 and 10 million times a week. Um, but I dive into all sorts of different topics. I, maybe it's laws of the game. Uh, maybe it's you know how to be a, a new referee and starting out. And sometimes it's dealing with race, racism. I mean, yeah. here we are yeah. at the, the fan sports radio and seeing what's happening to Vinicius Jr. and in, in La Liga and being racially abused and, and talking about that yeah. and bringing uh, eyes on it and also about the referee's perspective and how they deal with it as well. But it has been hilarious, absolutely wild. I go to soccer fields now and I am like a semi rock star. I was at Home oh. Depot the other day and I was pushing my cart into Home Depot after just finishing a couple matches and some guy slams on his brakes and yells out the window, refs need love too. <laughs> and this is not the first time that's happened to me. So I go to soccer fields. I have kids, parents, coaches want to take pictures with me. They love that a referee who's traditionally been behind a wall, yeah. you know, walled off, can't speak, has no perspective, has no social media presence whatsoever. They're supposed to be perfect, and they're you know they're the judge. They can't talk, and now they have a referee that they can ask questions to, they can interact with, help explain what's happened, 
to the team that they love? You know, was it the right call? Could it have been different? All that kind of stuff. And then this dehumanization that we are people, that yeah. we have families, that I am a dad, I am someone's son, you know, I'm a brother. There yeah. might be someone's mother, you know, da- daughter on that field. I mean, it's just completely been so eye-opening to see the love for it. uh, I was telling Nick, my college-age son just started this week uh, baseball umpiring. There you go. So he's gotten all trained, and he's starting off. And I coached, much like you did, uh, baseball and uh, basketball. So I I know what he's in for. Yeah, Yeah. and I think it draws parallels. Like, we have gotten too crazy with youth sports. I mean, look, if you are a Major League Baseball umpire and you are getting paid for that to be your career, like, you should be able to get yelled at. Like, let's be fair. That's what it is. Like, the ref at a basketball game, you know, you sit in the floor seats. And if you heard the things that were being said to those referees, Mm -hmm. I mean, it is should not even be aired on television. should be put in your children, Mm -hmm. let alone. Right. But when you are talking about 8-year-old, 10-year-old, 12-year-old kids that the parents are yelling at the referees, it shows how broken this has all become, Mm -hmm. right? That's not helping the children develop and, and get further. So I like that you're doing it, but I also like that you're making kids a voice to let these kids know that that's not okay. Yeah, that these are yeah. not the ways to be treated. There are ways you should stand up for yourself. So, so there's two things. So that professional referee has security. So they know that if someone comes onto the court, there's going to be security that's yeah. going to come protect them. At a youth sporting event or a semi-professional event, there is no such security. You are on your own. Yeah. You are on your own. And so I don't agree that those words should be thrown at a referee. I think it's awful, and those people should be escorted out of facility. I think, you know, what's happening to, you know, Valencia right now where people have been yelling these horrible racist things to players on the pitch, I don't think that's acceptable. I don't think it's a safe zone where you can go to a sporting event and just act like an imbecile and be rude, and that's okay. I just want to say that. uh, I forget which uh, European Europa League match or whatever where it came in and and when attacked the the visiting fans in their section. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, booing a ref when he made a bad call. I hear you. When I, the ball listen, goes the wrong way, and you know, boo a ref. Like that's part I, of the I, basketball. I, t- I totally understand. There's that's the home field advantage too, to some extent. I yes. think again, for ninety nine point nine nine percent of sporting events that are youth sporting events or what we call grassroots. There is no such protection. They're not getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars. They're sacrificing their time away from their families to provide this service to the community. And yes, they're being compensated, but it's not paying a lot of money. The problem is those words become actions. So when you're a referee and you're on that pitch and you're on your own or you're on the baseball diamond or on your basketball court, when someone keeps on yelling and you ignore them, so they're not getting a reaction out of you, the blood boils they go into that reptilian brain and they think, okay, well, if he's not going to listen to my words, well, I'm going to take physical action. And that's where the verbal abuse becomes physical abuse. And it happens yeah. all the time. We lose 80% of our officials within three years. And the number one reason they give is the abuse they receive from spectators, wow. players, and coaches. That is the number one reason. So whose job is it to regulate that? Because this always it's comes down question. to the ultimate thing, right? You can't put a cop there. These cops are overstrained. No, as it of course. Is. No. So who is there? So what the, is the etiquette? When I was on the, the baseball board in Roswell, I mean, that was something we talked about routinely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, putting you have, that word the, out. The, the baseball the, board has no authority to do that. No, so we did well, but. It. You could. The only thing you could do was say, "Look, your kids will be basically suspended." But then if you're, the parents then, then do you're something. blaming the kids now for something that a parent does, which I is know. just as bad. So, oh, exactly. Th- let's let's. I'm always about let's get to the solution, yeah. right? Yeah. So, let, what do you think would be some some things we can do to alleviate that and to help with it? So, education yeah. is a first and foremost, yeah. of course. You know, yeah. again, having signage at the field, having policies of the field, of course, that these. You know, your kids are not professionals. The referees are not professionals. You You are not a professional, which is probably why you're yelling at your kid right now. Teaching your parents what the proper behavior is. You are here to cheer. You're not here to coach. You've got a coach for that. 
The ref refs, coach coaches, you cheer your kid. That's your job. And then if someone breaks that, you know, that there's penalties for that. And there are some uh, states and community groups and leagues, and now they're starting putting policies where if you verbally abuse a referee, you now have to volunteer to ump three games or you have to, you know, referee soccer three games before you're allowed to come back to the field. Yeah, you cannot come back until you actually volunteer your time to be a ref to see what that is. So putting policy in place, having education in place. I mean, we had great coaches for my son. We specifically went to, you know, left a club to go to another club, one club where the the parents were very toxic and yelling at the players and refs all the time. We went to another club, and the coach was like, you talk to the ref at all, your kid ain't playing. And I think that's also contagious. You know, we're going to keep this going on the podcast in just a minute, but we're going to wrap up for the uh, the radio show. Uh, David Gerson, um, head of marketing at TK Elevator. Thank you for joining us on the Marketing Mad Men. Uh, you can always find us on extra106.3.com uh, if you want to, uh, to dial in, ask questions, or also uh, if we've got some people such as David who uh, want to be on the show. So reach out to Nick and ourselves. So thanks. Have a great week, and we'll be back next week. All right. So thank you. let's get back to it. So how... Again, I think it is contagious. I think if it is allowed, if people see the behavior is allowed, then it becomes contagious because now all of a sudden you had a bad day and you might not be that guy, but all of a sudden you hear somebody else going and now it's you've, you've had your frustrations there. So let's keep going down. How, as like, look, it's marketing. These are marketing policies, how you're externally portraying yourself. So what is some advice you give to people who are dealing with this with their kids or who are that guy and don't want to be that guy? Let's keep that conversation going because I think it is really important as a sports station. I believe in the power of sports. I think it gives you the competitive spirit. I think it gets you understand how coaching works, hierarchy, leadership. I think the net positive is always positive in the sports world. But I think if we allow it to keep going to a point where parents are dominating these kids' lives and putting them in positions they shouldn't be in, that it's going to start turning the other way. So give us some more tips and advice, maybe for parents and kids and how they can avoid those kind of situations. Yeah. Nick, 1,000% agree in the benefit of sport. And I'm just going to say as an adult. and, And so in this country, so we lived in the Netherlands for a while. In Europe, they never stop playing. You know, they, they play Sunday league football right. or they play field hockey or they go do course or whatnot. They're always participating in something. Here in America, it seems like we do sport for a while and then we fall out and, and we lose that connection. And sport is so fantastic. So I ref every weekend of my life. I run on a pitch 10 to 20 miles every single weekend. I am oh. out there. I am participating. And it's not just the physical benefit, which has mental benefits as well, but sure. it's that mental focus. I lose myself in that. All of the stress goes away, and I can relax. And I am a better marketer at my job, you know, at TK Elevator, right. because I referee on the weekend, because I participate in a sport on the weekend. And I think as a kid, it's so wonderful, whether I played baseball, or I played hockey, or I played soccer, or I played rugby. I was a Division One rugby player. I was a rugby referee. Whatever it was, I loved it. I loved bonding with the teammates and the satisfaction of being out there and doing it. But what I see right now, and one of the funniest comments you yeah. hear from the, you know, the, the peanut gallery out there, don't make it all about you, ref, is you uh, have parents making it all about them. them. Oh, absolutely. Where they're screaming at their kid, pass, shoot, do this, switch, dun-dun-dun. They're screaming at their kid. Their kid's not having the opportunity to think develop a basketball yeah. IQ or a soccer yeah. or IQ for themselves. working the parameters of a team. It That's right. You, not They're in not the... listening to their yeah. coach anymore. They get their parent doing it. And then you, of course, have the parent who's yelling at the referee. So what do you think the kid does? They start yelling at the referee as well. Or they start yelling at their teammates. Or their teacher in school. Or Oh, yeah. It is a thing. And I experience it all the time. If you have a really good coach who you know lays down the boundaries, 
of, you know, I'm the coach, you're the player, you're the parents, we've got jobs to do, and this is how it is. You usually have kids who play to the whistle, you know, who work as a team, who focus on what they practice during week, and they're generally very successful. I love doing the MLS Next games. So that's the okay. MLS Academies. Right. I love it because they know, especially Atlanta United, they tell the parents, hey, if you yell to the kids during this match or you yell at a ref, you're off this team. They know it. And so generally those higher level academies, they lay down that law. But as you start moving down yeah. and you don't have that type of like fear of being kicked off one of these academy teams, you know, you see the parents just really just kind of going crazy. And I'm not going to say it's a universal truth, but it's a serious problem where the parents wind up being the focus of the attention, the, expe- the spectacle, and they ruin it for their children. Yeah. Well, and a lot of times I, I used to have it coaching where uh, they were so into it that the kids freaked out and it just it created, you know, anxiety and performance, you know, yeah. for the kids because, oh, my God, my mom or my dad's doing this yeah. in the stands. I, I, I also think one of the most important things about sport underrated actually is discipline. And I think that when you especially when you make it to the highest level, right? Like so I was an all county lacrosse player in Long Island. And like the one thing that registered with me is that while I was playing sport, I was disciplined to what the coach and the team were saying. Okay. So how do you expect your children to do to do something if you are not showing the same thing? Mm -hmm. Discipline is being mad at a ref, but shutting your freaking mouth and letting the game play. So how do you expect your children to be star athletes if one of the most important factors of being an athlete, you're not even displaying it? And it's self-control. Everyone gets angry. You have every right to get angry but it doesn't mean you punch the guy next to you and i think it is covering this country as a whole right now that we are letting the negative emotions outrule what our brains are saying which is you're not an animal Mm -hmm. shut up sit there Mm -hmm. watch the game and benefit your child because what you're doing is wrong and 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 as a coach and especially at the rec level a lot but um, a little bit of travel but you know it was incumbent on me to tell all the players you do not speak to the that's my job And I don't care if you're the best player on the team. If I catch you bad-mouthing, talking negative to the, mm-hmm. the ref, umpire, whatever the sport is, you're going to sit. Yeah. And well, you have to follow through with that, even if it's the best player and the game's tied and four minutes to go. You've got – the coach. that's a responsibility yeah. coach has to have yeah. for well, the players. I think it's life lessons, right? Yeah. So when a ref makes a call that you agree with or don't agree with, arguing is not going to change the call. What you should be teaching the child and parents should be teaching their children is it's not what happens to you in life. It is how you respond to it. So when there is a negative situation or something you don't agree with, okay, great. How do you respond? How do you move forward? Get ready for the next play. Get focused on the next play. Wasting your time, energy, whining about something is horrible. And then at the end of the game, okay, if you lose, which always seems to happen, okay, well, it's the ref's fault. It's the ump's fault. Are you kidding? There might have been one call that you disagree with. It could have been a key match decision, no doubt. But you took 30 shots on goal. You only made one or you made none. What about those 29? Did you complete every pass? Really? No. You completed about 60%, maybe 50% of your passes. What could you have done better? to change the outcome of that match. Yeah. They use the official as a scapegoat, and they don't take personal responsibility. That's become more pervasive across sport, though. Oh, like the well, NBA but is not the worst only, example. Not only In the NBA, sport, I mean, the players are like, oh, it was two bad calls. Like, dude, that's a 48-minute game. But then so the you sale, lost by eight points. The I mean, salesperson said, well, I only made four calls today because, well, you know, I just wasn't feeling it. 
Well, why didn't you make ten calls? Right. Well, but that's that is just. I mean, general that's, disdain. that's, that's that no, our but general that's the whole. For, it, it one yes. is the same as the other. That's Absolutely. our general it's, disdain for personal accountability. Right, exactly. As a society, we have been driven away from personal accountability. Yes. Yeah. Too far that it is not there anymore. So, Agreed. yeah, man, this is this has been awesome. I think we'll yeah. put this one out as a secondary because I think this conversation uh, different but topical to say the least. Oh, I think it's great. And uh, like I said, my my son's starting. I have been uh, asked for a while. I've had not done it since I I finally stopped coaching basketball mm-hmm. when he got to college, and um, and right about COVID. But the basketball umps for years have been asking me to do it. And uh, I don't want to do baseball because I want to keep my summers. But uh, it's probably the inspiration for me to say, you know what, let me go ahead and get uh, reach out to the guys and uh, get trained this fall. Because the winter, it's perfect. For me, it's it's like right. you. It's, it's something to keep me active in the winter. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's, it's good for the community. And I think it can be good for, for the soul, too. I think so. David Gerson, uh, Nick Constantino, Trip Job, the Marketing Mad Men. And uh, we'll catch you next week. This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business, and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation, like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.